this is the Sugar Science. I'm Monica Wesley, and we are speaking today with Rebecca Bott from of Van Heron Labs uh, at the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotech in Alabama. Um, she has created a pipeline that uses genetic analysis to create custom procedures to optimize metabolism um, for a particular organism or cell. And we're very excited. She was just featured in Biospace, Women in Bio feature, and we're very excited she's going to talk to us today about her work and about, you know, potential uh, intersections with a type 1 diabetes. So, hi, how are you? Doing great. How are you? We're, I'm good. Um, could you give us a? Could you talk to us about how you became scientifically, uh, you know, sort of interested in, in uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, great question. Um, I've always been a big fan of metabolism, so I feel like when I was an undergrad, there were a lot of students uh, who were really turned off by you know learning about the Krebs cycle and oxidative phosphorylation, and I. Um, I always actually really loved it. Those were my favorite parts um, of science uh, as an undergrad, and, except I actually didn't do super great in biochemistry, which is, which is funny because there's a lot more going on than just oxidative phosphorylation in the Krebs cycle. But um, so I've always had that sort of interest in uh, metabolism. And um, primarily what we do now is, is we work with a lot of, um, uh, we work with, with a lot of microbes. And so one of the applications for this technology is actually to make um, microbial media significantly better. Um, so you use the genetics of an organism to basically optimize microbial media. Um, so that interest came from basically my undergraduate studies and seeing sort of how, um, people hate it when I say this, but how archaic microbiology um, can be, particularly some of the, the culture media. Um, and then, Taking both of those two things from undergrad, uh, when I went to graduate school, I actually did my PhD studying um, primarily longevity, so human lifespan. Um, and I got really interested in nutrition because of the role that it, that it can actually have on, on, on your lifespan. So in about the, maybe the end of the first year of my PhD, second year, um, all of these studies started coming out, you know, basically saying, you know, your grandmother's diet can influence how long you live, like these high sugar diets are impacting uh, lifespan and aging phenotypes and those sorts of things. So then I just started to get really interested in nutrition. So really this company is the apex of all those things put together. Uh, my interest in metabolism, uh, my interest in nutrition, and then my interest in making, um, you know, nutrient substrates better for, for organisms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really neat how it all came together. Um, and so do you have any thoughts about the, you know, work that's being done overall in this field? You know, that uh, sort of, I guess it's, what would you call it, meta metabolic omics? Yeah, I don't know anybody that's doing specifically what we do. Um, yeah, I don't know of anybody that's doing what we do out there. Um, so it sounds like your approach is really novel then. That's exciting. I hope so. Yeah, it's exciting and uh, can be frustrating sometimes, but overall, uh, really good, I think. And, you know, can you share some of the, you know, exciting new work you're doing in your company? I mean, you know, I know you have proprietary issues, but uh, just sort of share with us, you know, how things are going and, and, um, and what the premise is of, of what you do. Yeah, I think there's a lot of exciting things happening. So essentially what we do at uh, Van Heeren Labs is we um, 
basically use the genetics of a particular organism to find out the exact nutrient substrates that it should be consuming. Um, and then we take those nutrient substrates and, and supplement them into their, their nutritional environment. Um, so this is basically towards optimizing, you know, health, bioproductivity, organic production, all those different types of, types of things. So it's very uh, multidisciplinary. Um, it can be used really for any biological system, unit, entity, any type of organic matter, um, you know, cell-free system, synthetic biology, all across the board. It is a, uh, you know, universal metabolic biohack, uh, I guess you could say. But two of the things that I'm really excited about come actually out of a, a collaboration that we have with um, a company called Foresight Biosciences. Um, and it, I think it's really exciting, especially in the space of type 1 diabetes, because what we're actually doing with Foresight is trying to develop a new type of expression platform whereby you can sort of um, get the best of both worlds when it comes to producing biologic drugs. So for type 1 diabetics, Obviously, um, you know, insulin is, is really, really critical. Um, and, you know, insulin represents a biologic drug. Mm -hmm. And producing biologic drugs is extremely difficult. It's very expensive. Um, there's actually a global monopoly on insulin. Mm -hmm. um, not controversial information. Everybody knows that. Um, and so what we're going to be trying to do is, is come up with this expression platform where you can use prokaryotic organisms like E. coli, um, to produce a, uh, a human uh, recombinant biologic drug that basically um, has uh, these really high quality human protein characteristics. So um, sometimes I think insulin or other biologic drugs produced from prokaryotes sort of gets a bad rap. Um, and that is because oftentimes they don't have the correct post-translational modifications. So what we're going to be trying to do, um, Foresight, what they're really good at is, is, is structural and, and glycobiology. And so they can actually induce um, the proper post-translational modifications. And then what we're going to be doing is, is making that overall system work a lot better so that you're able to produce large, large amounts of, of that biologic drug or therapeutic of, of interest. Um, and then the other thing that we're going to be working on is, is using my platform to try and um, increase the efficacy of human cell culture and also stem cell culture, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, notoriously bad. Um, whereas I feel like sometimes microbial culture, everyone just kind of accepts it and moves on. But if you talk to somebody that's out there doing cell culture, they're like, oh no, it's, it's, it's dark magic, it's voodoo, it, it's expensive, you know, all of the above. Um, so we're actually going to be um, trying to come up with a better way to actually culture um, mammalian cells a lot better, um, which is also interesting from the type 1 diabetes perspective because stem cells can be used, you know, themselves as a therapy. So if you were potentially able, able to come up with a better way to, to, culture, stem, to culture stem cells, um, induce their differentiation, you know, maintain that, manipulate them, basically using the culture media that could have a lot of um, downstream benefits, I think. Yeah. Well, companies like Sama and Sedulon and Viasite are, are doing that, you know, and they, uh, I, I would say Sema has evolved um, to a point where they've got the whole recipe sorted to create and maintain these um, pancreatic beta cells from stem cells. But it, it, there's always the question of once the implantation happens, 
how to keep the, um, the implant basically alive and well. And that has a lot to do with oxygen and other factors. But yeah, I mean, optimization is, is such an important part of these kinds of technologies. So I appreciate what you're doing there. Um, what do you think, what are some challenges you can see from your viewpoint that, have, uh, that need to sort of be overcome to expedite research in type 1 diabetes? I mean, you talked a little bit about insulin production, um, but in terms of the metabolic challenges that, uh, and studying these kinds of cells, can you imagine a, maybe a partnership with someone who has a Nod Mice facility um, that might allow you to kind of flex your muscles in that space? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot of interesting ideas could be could be tested with a mouse model and with some um, high-powered collaborations, particularly because um, we think this technology is really powerful, but we're, you know, a bootstrapped pre-revenue um, company. It wasn't that long ago that we were actually operating out of a house. Um, so we're, we're just in the very early days and we're very much right now still working, you know, we're trying to vet our, our efficacy for prokaryotes and smaller eukaryotes like yeasts and things like that. So um, yeah, definitely open to those types of collaborations. And then as far as challenges go, um, when it comes to producing these types of therapeutics, um, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of things. One of them is cost, which we can, we can obviously, um, hopefully, uh, help with because our supplements, you know, not only are they sophisticated, but they're also, um, fairly inexpensive when you look at other solutions that are out there, which are things like growth factors and targeted peptone profiles and things like that. Um, you know, different types of single use fermenters and, and all those types of things. Those don't actually target the root cause um, of inefficiency, which actually comes down to the cell itself and really um, comes down to a few metabolic pathways that you can actually um, manipulate if you know what you're doing. So that's what we're trying to do. But, but scale is obviously a huge issue. Um, and I know this is something that you, you think about a lot. Um, but when it comes to scaling these types of therapeutics or biological solutions, there's very little emphasis placed on innovation um, for things like advanced manufacturing technologies. Um, so I'll just give you one quick example of, of where this is sort of obvious to me. So our technology can actually be used, you know, in theory to produce higher amounts of a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, there are no, um, there, there is no designation from a regulatory body for a type of manufacturing technology that could expedite production of a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you want to expand your manufacturing facility, you can obviously try to get, you know, funding for those types of things. But if we wanted to get, let's say, a emergency use type of designation to use this type of technology to produce more um, of the COVID-19 vaccine, nothing like that exists. Um, and sort of this bias more towards, I would say this bias um, where the innovation is not coming from the manufacturing setting is sort of ubiquitous across um, biologic therapeutics, and I think that that needs to change. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the big the big challenges that I see right now. Yeah, uh, I do. I did see that NIH just offered something like a Shark Tank competition for innovators, and they were um, they have uh, quite a big big pot of money for for those who were able to successfully, you know, display what their what they're gonna what their plans are. 
but yeah, I mean, I agree that it is, it's hard to start from scratch for sure. So, um, and, and to try to get into that market. Um, I guess what I want to ask, like, what, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Like anything re relating to type one diabetes at, even at, um, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, off, off the record about sort of biohacking a cell. So it would be, uh, wouldn't be insulin dependent in order to start the whole metabolism. What do you, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so let's, let's talk about it in, in depth again so that your, your um, audience can hear kind of what the, the thoughts were. So um, I think Monica's foundation is great because she's trying to, you know, reach out to researchers like me who are not necessarily working exclusively on type 1 diabetes and get a variety of perspectives um, about the disease and, and things that you could do. And um, what that basically, what this conversation triggered was me do, was me thinking really critically about our technology and how it could be applied to type 1 diabetes. Um, and having some conversations with one of my co-founders about, um, you know, specifically things that we could tweak um, to make it better. And in the past few days, we've actually been thinking about a way um, you know, we, we already knew that we could do this using, um, you know, genetics and a few other innovations that are specific to Van Heeren Labs. We can actually build a metabolic bridge that allows you to minimize a lot of uh, the catabolism that a particular cell is doing while still maintaining or even further enabling anabolism, which is the biosynthesis of, of the products that you need. Um, typically, when you think about a cell, you think of catabolism. Um, being a very critical part of that process, but in fact, uh, and it is, um, but if you do some, um, let's say, like you said, biohacking or some um, very uh, targeted um, supplementation with a few key molecules, what you can actually do is streamline metabolism in a way that you're eliminating, eliminating some of those catabolic steps, particularly glycolysis. And so for the type one diabetes space, this is really interesting because in essence, type one diabetes um, and type two diabetes are, um, you know, are issues with glycolysis. So thinking about a way that you could actually skip those glycolytic steps and still enable further downstream metabolism by the cell. Um, and I think this is interesting. I think there actually are some theoretical predictions around this. Um, and just, you know, quickly outlining this with Monica before, before the podcast started, she actually started to think about ways that you could actually do this. So um, I, think, I think there is actually a way um, that maybe something like this, this could work. And, and like you were saying, like with a mouse colony, like if somebody is out there with a, you know, a diabetic mouse model, there's some ways that we can test this um, and to see if it actually could work without, you know, any kind of weird, you know, toxicity effects. Um, but yeah, it could be a fun experiment. And I think, um, I think there are actually some theoretical predictions there. And, you know, there's also a lot of other implications if you could eliminate glycolysis. Um, and those implications actually extend to things like cancer, um, which we know that cancer cells basically feed on, on glucose. Um, and, uh, you know, also for type 2 diabetes. So I think there's, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of great things that could potentially happen around some of those around some of those ideas. Yeah, I, I do. I feel like, you know, I, I know a lot of your technology is proprietary, but just from the bird's eye view, it sounds like you have a really interesting system 
And I'm really, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, where you go with it, how it evolves. Um, and we, we're wishing, you know, we hope uh, we've given you the best of luck from us. Um, but it doesn't seem like you're really going to need it, uh, given that you've, you've been advancing so quickly in the space. I and mean, now you have two labs and um, hopefully, you know, you'll, uh, despite all the, you know, the, the challenges that COVID has uh, presented, you'll be able to scale up and, and, and get up and going quickly. And, and uh, uh, it just sounds so interesting. So you'll definitely be one, one person and one company will be watching. Awesome. Sounds great. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah, it sounds great. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. This is, this is really, really great.